0: To Not Another Wellness podcast. This is Natalie Dellinger, your host, here to bring all things wellness related to you through the stories of passionate individuals themselves. Today on the episode is Dr. Julie Kinn. Dr. Kinn works for the Defense Health Agency's Connected Health Branch to help develop mobile apps, online resources, and more to improve the lives of service members, veterans, and their families. These mobile and online tools are free, easy to use, and trusted by members of the military community. Some of the apps include Breathe to Relax, Dream Easy, Virtual Hope Box, and the T-Tude Mood Tracker. In this conversation, we deep dive into why it's important to bring these resources to life and to have options for veterans and their families to use technologies to build and develop small habits like a few minutes of daily reflection and meditation and how that's so important to mental health and wellness during the huge career transition that happens when you leave the military or when you're moving as a military child and are frequently having to start your life over. It was really interesting to hear why and how passionately these apps have been developed, and she also hosts various podcasts that she talks about. So Julie is really everywhere, and she's super passionate, and I really was excited to have her on the show because not only do I not know much about the military communities myself, just having been raised in an area where there weren't as many. In my adult life, I know I've met so many people that have that backstory. They've moved around a ton. They came from families in the military, and it sounds like it can really be really hard transition, not only for the actual military service members, but their families. And I think it's really important that we're talking about this. I think, you know, for someone like me to not really understand what impact that could have, how to support people in my community who are transitioning from life in the military to moving around a lot to having to start over to working in a very high stress job where more than ever, health and wellness and mindfulness and gratitude and grounding practices and sleep and all of these things are so, so, so important for all of us. And Julie is going to share why this is important, why it's relevant, how we can approach these difficult conversations, how we can support health and wellness in technology these days, and what avenues that opens up for people in terms of connection and just giving them this toolkit where they can work on their health and wellness this episode really put a lot of this into perspective for me and I hope it will for you too and before we dive right into the episode I wanted to share one of my ratings and review you guys know that I've been sharing these a lot in the recent episodes it means so much to hear from you guys and know that the podcast the podcast is resonating with you so I'm gonna share one from JN and heller This is from back in August. This is actually my first review ever. It says, I love this podcast, Nat. I think you're a great interviewer, and your array of interviewees has been so fun to listen to on my drives. I've been truly inspired by all the entrepreneurs and listening to their journeys, and I've picked up a few things to put in my back pocket. I look forward to your postings always. Jamie. Thanks so much, Jamie, for being a listener, being the first podcast reviewer. It means so much. It looks like we have about 52 ratings, so if you guys have a minute and can go over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review, it would mean a lot. It's a virtual, like, thank you for doing the show. It really means something to me, and it helps me kind of stay inspired, if you will. Not that I need much of that these days. My guests are amazing, and I'm so excited and so grateful and so lucky to be here. So without any further ado, Dr. Julie Kin. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. Today on the episode, I have Dr. Julie Kinn, who is a licensed clinical psychologist with over 15 years of experience researching and implementing health technology for suicide prevention and other behavioral health promotion. So hey, Julie, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Hi, everybody. So glad to be getting to talk with your listeners.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited to hear more about your background and what you do day to day. But first and foremost, what is something that lights you up in this world? For me,
1: it's definitely laughing and comedy. It's just a huge part of the way I grew up. I have one of those very stereotypical East Coast Jewish families where, you know, every conversation is very loud and boisterous, and it's all about who can make everyone else laugh the most, even, and probably especially during hard moments in life, difficulties. uh, We are especially humorous. I think probably funerals are when we really let loose the most. And uh, it's something that I try to carry with me everywhere I go, uh, trying to find the humor in situations, using it for coping, hopefully for the better, um, and when others are ready for it. And it's definitely something that uh, my kids and I celebrate a lot.
0: That's awesome. That's such a great answer. <laughs> I feel like there's oh, a, there's such a place for laughter as a way of like bringing in some lightheartedness, positivity, because life can really be... We can get stuck in that negative like mindset sometimes.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, if I can go on just a bit more, there's actually research behind it, too. And it's one of the reasons why I think it's so important for the work I do as a psychologist. Uh, you know, if we ask people to think about really positive, happy moments in their life together with their loved ones, like their spouse or their kids, that helps bring up our mood a little bit, makes us feel a little bit better. But if we think about the times that we laugh together, like if you and your spouse or you and your partner sit down and just make a list of the times where you really, really found something hilarious, then that elevates mood even more. It helps us feel great and it helps strengthen that relationship. So that's a really easy cheap, free tool you can use with your family, with your friends, with your spouse to to take a note of when you find something really, really hysterically funny and then going over it deliberately. Like for me and my kids, I keep a record of like all the really ridiculous things they say and they're they're both little now so there's lots of those um and then you know a few times a year we we bring out the journal and and go over all the little funny things and it it makes them laugh and it it helps me and my husband feel closer so it's a a tip that I I think is really nice and and one that can involve technology too which is you know my big thing that I'm into. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of it. You know, I, I know you're going to get into this. I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder, but what, what I do for a living as a psychologist for the Department of Defense and the Defense Health Agency is I look at ways we can use technology to help improve health outcomes. And I work with this really creative team. We we are always looking at all the different technologies people use and ones coming down the pike, the new technologies and trying to figure out, okay, how can this fit into day-to-day life to help improve things? And we, we even made mobile apps that can help do this kind of stuff. Like, There's this one called Virtual Hope Box. It's just a free app that we developed along with the VA that anyone can use. It's not just for military and veterans. Any civilian can download this for free, um, same way you would any other app. And in what you can do with the virtual hope box is set it up to help you remember all those really positive things so that when you are in a bad mood or when you are really stressed, you've got it ready to go. You've got those reminders of things that were funny to you or or pleasant or just really sweet things, uh, maybe a picture your kid's drew, or a picture of your spouse or your dog and links to videos and little distracting games and deep breathing. Because I think it's when we're really calm and happy, it's so easy to think about, what do I do when I need to relax? But when we're really stressed, it's hard to answer that question.
0: Sure. It's almost like a gratitude journal for like uplifting moments in a way.
1: Totally. Yes. Yes. Gratitude journals are fantastic.
0: Yeah. But I like this is like even more than that. This is like, what are your favorite things? What like what lights you up? What's going to bring some to your life today? Cool. So that's an app that anybody can download and utilize.
1: Oh yeah, we we have hundreds of thousands of users and. I everything's anonymous that we make. We um, are really careful to make sure that anyone can use it without stigma, especially since a lot of the things we make are for mental health. Which in the military community, there's still a lot of shyness about seeking help for depression, anxiety, traumatic brain injury, and things like that. So, Virtual Hope Box is just one of the mobile apps we've made where you can download it. It looks like and feels like a game. You know, everything we make is for like an eighth grade reading level. It's colorful. It's really usable. A lot of adolescents use it. And it's one of those fun apps that has all these different features to help you feel better that we've been seeing our users using it for things we never would have expected. Like we hear from people who use it to help them get to sleep all the time um, because of all the relaxation stuff. Uh, We've heard from many users that they use it for travel and uh, when they're flying, because it helps manage their anxiety. And if anyone looks over your shoulder, it just looks like you're on a video player or any other kind of fun app. Uh, and, and so that's definitely our model, is make mobile apps, websites, podcasts, any kind of technology that people are familiar with that they can use in their day-to-day life without adding an extra burden. It's not like it's really difficult to use a mobile app. It just feels like any other app, but it helps elevate
0: your mood. Sure. This is so important. And I love that you touched on and you work in technology because as much as there is like in the wellness space, that push to get rid of technology and it's taking over our lives, there's so many <laughs> yeah. For it.
1: Yeah, it's so tricky, right? Because there's clearly evidence there saying that our use of screens, especially for teenagers and young adults, is excessive. There's a lot of it, and there's certainly some people who are becoming isolated, and and we can make the tie there to screen and screen usage. Um, in fact, we just put out an episode about this on Next Generation Behavioral Health, one of the podcasts I produce, um, all about how we use technology in, in mental health care. But um, there's also so much to be gained from our use of screens and technology. I mean, for example. Um, it, how did you wake up this morning?
0: Um, I had a, an alarm. Well, I had a, an alarm clock, but it was um, from my phone, of course. Uh huh. Yeah. I used the sleep. I forget the iPhone has like more soothing melodies that you can choose instead of just the traditional ringtone. So it was more okay. pleasant than that, but it was definitely my cell phone. Yeah.
1: Right. So, And that's probably the true for most of your listeners. It's definitely true for me, too. Um, and it's true for our service members and our veterans that more and more that's what we're waking up to in the morning, which means that the very first thing you interacted with this morning was your phone. So, like, as soon as you pick up your phone, you're turning off your alarm, and then you see any missed calls or mixed, missed texts or things like that or reminders to use an app. And so therefore it's this opportunity. You know, I I I would hate to say, "Oh, we all need to just throw our phones away. They're bad for us." No, they're part of our lives now. Just like 30 years ago we started using fax machines regularly and that was part of our okay, more than 30 years ago. But uh, it's the same thing with phones. We can't expect to just turn them off completely and throw them in the trash. Instead, we need to leverage it to help reach people where they're at. Our patients are using their phones all the time. Our service members and veterans are, so we may as well make good, solid, safe apps, podcasts, websites, and other tools that they can use with this really familiar, convenient technology.
0: Can't wait to hear that episode. Um, and I love that you <laughs> love these podcasts. I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I love podcasts. But I think they're such a great way to discuss these kinds of things and get these ideas to more people than you would have been able to otherwise. Would you mind sharing a few of the other ones that you help um, produce?
1: Oh my gosh! Of course, I don't mind. I love it too. Podcasts are so fun. <laughs> it's it's great, especially because in the government, we we do spend a lot of money and time trying to get the word out to folks about about health about you know different kinds of public health issues and podcasts although they're not for everybody for people who do listen to podcasts we love them right we if especially if you commute or you do a lot of housework or gardening or other things where your hands are busy but your ears are not right that's the ideal person for a podcast some people prefer to learn from reading books some people want to read a blog some people want podcasts or all the above So for the people who want podcasts, we're testing out lots of different ways to to reach people. So for example, sleep is a major issue for our service members and our veterans and pretty much everybody else in the world too. Uh, I, I don't know anyone who is just thrilled with the amount of sleep they get. And I talked to a sleep expert in the military named Dr. Olin. He leads a sleep clinic at Fort Carson. And he said he finds himself giving the same advice over and over to all of his patients and their spouses, and then saying the same thing again the next month, because, of course, you want to repeat yourself and people forget things. And he said, wouldn't a podcast be amazing? And that's kind of what got us started on this. in um, if we are able to have interviews with John Olin, which of course we eventually did, and Colonel Brian Robertson, at Walter Reed, and other fantastic experts around the military and veteran health system, then that saves so much time and money down the road because people can listen to a really fun, engaging conversation on their own time for 15 minutes instead of needing to schedule additional appointments or potentially forgetting information or using it in addition to their appointments. You know, you go, you talk to your sleep doctor, and then you also get to have a podcast that you can listen to that can tell you more about it. And what we found, that was the original thought. But what we found was our listeners started getting really engaged and sending us amazing questions. And so the podcast, which is called A Better Night's Sleep, again, free, anonymous use, just like any other podcast, and you can get it anywhere you are, whether you're civilian or military, A Better Night's sleep. Um, it. it went from being interviews to listener questions, although we still have some interviews here and there. Uh, it's super conversational, and it often focuses on the real story about what is treatment actually going to be like? What's your doctor going to do to you? Is it going to hurt? And the answer is usually no. Um, and, and we've just had some really amazing conversations. I've learned about topics I, I never even knew existed. Uh, for example, we had a whole topic about somnia and sleepwalking. That was an amazing one. Most recently, a listener question was, can I let dogs on the bed? What if they're very good dogs? You know, just really trying to answer a lot of the the real questions we have that we might not bring up to a doctor because a lot of people might not just be shy about it, but might think, oh, this isn't a big deal. Yeah, I'm tired, but everyone's tired, right? We start to think it's like just part of the human condition instead of something we can fix. But I'll tell you on a personal note from producing this podcast for the past year, my sleep has gotten much, much better just from learning from all these incredibly smart people we have on the show. So that's one, A Better Night's Sleep, and it also won the Best uh, Health Podcast in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So that's our claim to fame there, but it really, truly is a, a fantastic show. The experts are just amazing, and and they get personal on the show, which is really fun. The examples they bring are neat. You know, it, it's always easier to just read something than listen. If you're listening, you want to hear that personal connection, and I feel like we really get it with our experts. Uh, So that's A Better Night's Sleep, which I I recommend to everybody because we all could use A Better Night's Sleep.
0: It's like, that sounds like the best podcast ever. I can't wait
1: yeah it's really fun the, the different experts definitely have their own personalities uh it, it's it's fun I mean like dr John Olin definitely has like the dad humor he's he's great he's a Harvard trained psychologist or psychiatrist I mean, he's he's incredible and then Colonel Robertson has his cool military demeanor y- you got to listen to it it's great but um another one that that we've had a lot of fun with it's called the military meditation coach it this might be surprising to some of your civilian listeners, but within the military medical community, we've gotten more and more evidence and acceptance for making mindfulness and meditation a regular part of our life to improve health outcomes and also just our focus on the mission. Uh, so it's it's not uncommon to hear about a group of Navy SEALs doing mindfulness meditation exercises as part of their PT. You know, this is just a, a normal part of work for us these days. Um, and so so we wanted to provide additional resources for people to try out different kinds of meditation and mindfulness and relaxation because there are so many kinds. Uh, for your listeners who have, have done work in meditation and mindfulness, you know that it's like sometimes you'll ask somebody oh have you ever tried meditation and they might say yeah I tried it once I didn't like it but it's kind of like asking someone hey have you ever tried having lunch and they say oh I tried food once and I I didn't like it I mean there's so many different kinds you and it's really like you need a buffet So what we did was we made this podcast where we got experts from all around the military to give us recordings of their favorite meditation or their favorite relaxation that they like to do with their patients. We recorded them, gave a little bit of introduction and some instructions. And so now we have this podcast that has 45 different kinds of meditations and mindfulness and relaxation exercises. Uh, We're going to be adding more that specifically focus on health issues uh, and, and really trying to target specific things like sleep, anxiety. Uh, we have one that's coming out soon that's specifically for kids to teach them how to do diaphragmatic breathing. Some of these are three minutes long, some are forty-five minutes long. You know, it's a little bit of something for everyone, so you can really sample from the buffet and find something that that works for you. So, military meditation coach. Even though it has the word military in it, of course, it's made for everybody.
0: Yeah, amazing. I love that it is like a well-rounded approach and everyone kind of gets to chime in and share what's worked for them instead of like one person's idea of what meditation is because it is like you said, it's so different for every person.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's so many different things that that can uh help mitigate stress. You know, that that kind of leads me to the the third podcast that is our brand brand new one uh just came out. It's called Living Beyond Pain and it is for chronic pain management. So uh, chronic pain is, is very common in our veteran community and unfortunately in civilians as well um, and military too. Uh, and what we found is that there's a lot of fantastic approaches to chronic pain, but a lot of family members and, and folks who are suffering from chronic pain might not know about additional things they can do on their own to help with symptom management. So again, we uh, talked to experts from all around the military. This one is hosted by Army Captain Tracy Began, who is just an amazing force to be reckoned with. She's incredible, and she has these really personal conversations with the experts, all of whom she knows very, very well from working with them. So you really hear that relationship come through in her audio. Uh, And it's a short podcast, only nine episodes, just taking our listeners through a whole bunch of different things they can do for chronic pain, how chronic pain relates to sleep, stress, uh, how to talk to your kids about it. I'm on that episode and uh also just how to manage the flare-ups and other kinds of approaches in addition to medication. So it's a a great podcast for folks who might want to learn about chronic pain, might want to better understand someone in their life with chronic pain, or maybe they wanna have a new conversation with their provider and wanna learn about some different sides of how to how to treat chronic pain.
0: So that one's called Living Beyond Pain. Great, and that's the newest one. And wow, you must be busy. <laughs>
1: I am. I like it that way. I have the best job. Fortunately, I have a team. So I, I, I hope I don't make it sound like it's just the Julie Kin Show because it's not at all. There's a ton of us.
0: That's no. That's amazing. I. It's such a such a healthy thing to be. Such an amazing work and such a healthy place to be. Um. And I and I'd like to steer the conversation into like why this is so important. Like, why is it so important for there being, um, this health technology for military and veteran communities specifically? Um, and just cause, you know, cause yeah. just for people like my, myself and other listeners that might not be as familiar with the obstacles that can come from, um, military service, would you mind shedding some light on that, on that aspect?
1: No, it's a great question. You know, I, my dad's a veteran, but he's a veteran of from a long time ago, right? So the the life that I, I was raised into was different from what a lot of the military service members' lives are like, where, you know, they're moving every few years. Uh, military moves are very, very frequent. So for kids right there, you know, that's that's going to be an issue, right? So our military families have a lot of moves. They oftentimes need to be separated from their families and friends and loved ones due to long training um, and other kinds of military deployments. Um, it, there's also common health issues like sleep apnea and tinnitus are more common in our military population. And the the way the work is can be very difficult. Just our, our cadence, uh, the time zone differences and having to get up in the middle of the night, shift duty. Uh, there's so many potential stressors that are added on to our military service members and their families that are unique to the military population. So on the one side, that's kind of the downside, right? But then on the upside, we're talking about folks who are so resilient, who have chosen this life because they want to give to the country, because country comes first, and the nation is the mission. Uh, And so it's This remarkable combination of of stressors, sure, but also people who are just true heroes and not just the service members, but also their families, because the whole... family is sort of deploying when when the service member deploys the whole family is giving to our country by by sacrificing having another parent around or another caregiver or a child um, in the case of our, our adult service members who whose parents are still depending on them uh, it's it's just a tremendous gift that they give the rest of us and so it's really been inspiring for me to to learn more about the military community and to get to work with our service members and veterans and their families. A lot of the work we do here is for kids and for spouses, because it's hard to concentrate on your job, your mission, if you know that your spouse is suffering or your child is sad. So we develop apps and websites and, and other kinds of resources specifically for military kids. Uh, we have a, a whole website called Military Kids Connect, uh, which is Phenomenal. It's a great website that helps kids feel like they are part of this military community and emphasizes the strengths where they can connect with other teens or tweens or military kids, where they can watch videos about how other military kids have gotten through some of the hard times. And we also have areas on there that focus on what we call the tough topics, like surviving a uh, parent coming home with post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injury or losing a limb or, or even losing their life. These are very difficult situations that unfortunately our military families have to cope with sometimes. And there's really not a lot of resources out there to help military kids or really any kids understand these situations. So in Military Kids Connect, we made all these little mini documentaries with with real military kids talking about how they got through these situations. And we made these little graph animated graphic novels talking about how uh, the families went to treatment and did this and that to help them cope with the situations. I, I definitely recommend checking these out, especially if anyone in your listeners' lives are experiencing some of these issues or if you're clinicians yourselves or teachers, because it, it helps not only the children understand what's happening, but it gives us as adults and, and caring professionals a uh, ability to learn how to talk about it, right? It's it's difficult because there, there's really no book out there on how to care for the child in your classroom whose parent died on deployment, right? But then you can watch this animated graphic novel and learn some uh, potentially healthy ways of being able to address the situation. We also have on the website uh, lots of information for teachers and healthcare professionals and others who want to help military kids and might not know a lot about the military community community want to be able to help sensitively so military kids connect is is just an amazing resource sorry I kind of turned it into an advertisement for military kids connect based on your question but I, I think it, it does lead there when we start talking about why in particular it, it can be difficult for military service members and veterans another thing that that I mentioned yeah another thing I mentioned earlier was just the stigma against receiving care for behavioral health and other health issues. And that's something that is definitely getting better in the military community, but it's still culturally there. So that's part of why technology in particular is so important, because although someone might be a little shy about going and seeing a provider for uh, anxiety or depression, they might feel more comfortable first doing an internet search about it and reading some blog posts and reading something made by experts, listening to a podcast, downloading an app. And then oftentimes those technology resources can turn into the door that opens to seeking treatment.
0: Sure. The theme underlying that we kind of touched on before really is, um, you know, let's use technology to help connect people with the resources help them realize they're not alone in this help other kids you know be able to navigate through what it's like being an, a kid with a military family and that's not something that I think a lot of people have talked about in the past and it's it's just really inspiring to hear that there are so many resources to tackle what could be a very complicated situation for a family member and everybody involved really um Head on, really, in offering these these outlets.
1: Thanks. It's it's really incredible work.
0: Yeah, um, super inspiring to hear. Um, and and so, I guess like, one of the questions that comes from a civilian like myself is, um, what are your what are your thoughts on how civilians can be supportive of those kids and families um, who are in active duty or, or veterans in their communities?
1: You know, there's a really easy thing that folks can do to help, which is to post on social media about different kinds of resources that are available. Uh, Posting this episode, for example, could help. Or posting a link to our programs about Sesame Street. We work with Sesame Street for military families. We make apps with them, like the Big Moving Adventure that helps little kids learn about moving to different areas. Or something like the Virtual Hope Box or A Better Night's Sleep. Because when you post about those resources or or this podcast episode, you're not just saying, hey, here's a cool thing you can use or a great podcast to listen to. It's also emphasizing the fact that you're not embarrassed to talk about mental health, right? That this is something that's important to me and it's important to talk about. It shouldn't be stigmatized. Here's a great app that can help increase your mood. I heard about it on Not Another Wellness Podcast. Check it out here's the link. And it also helps us, of course, because it spreads the word about these great resources. But then it's something that overall helps reduce that stigma, not just to the military service members who might be following you on social media, but but to everybody else and encouraging them to share these things too. I think the more we can talk about mental health care, uh, suicide prevention, behavioral health in just a day-to-day basis, the easier it's going to be for others to get treatment when needed.
0: Sure. And it's so true. I mean, it, this is something that human beings struggle with. And, and it, it's it's just so comforting to know that there are people like you working on this to help spread the word, just get the conversation going, addressing issues that are clearly exist in existence. And here's what we can do. And I think that barrier to entry is just that education and, and spreading awareness. So I'm so happy to be able to sh- share this message with my listeners. Um, and I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I'm curious a little about your background. Um you mentioned your father um having or grandfather. Sorry, if I I messed that up.
1: Oh, it's my dad. But <laughs> it's okay.
0: So, what got you to where you are today in this industry? Would you mind sharing a little of like the stepping stones that led you to uh, being where you are today?
1: Sure. It's I'd say uh 50% just really really good luck. Probably more than 50%. You know, right place at the right time. Uh I am a psychologist, and I I was always interested in research and technology, but I always sort of assumed I would just be a clinician, which is a fantastic thing to be, and I I definitely love clinical work. But uh, when I was looking for jobs after graduate school, I really found myself trying to find ones that included more population level work where you're not just working one on one with people, but really able to make something or help at a system wide level. So you can be helping thousands of people at a time. And I find that kind of work to be really, really uh, energizing. I I love it. It's, it just feels like the best use of our time. Uh, One thing that I always advise people is to really invest in your hobbies and go for it even if something doesn't make you money right away as if it brings you joy it's great to learn about whatever your interest is whether it's making balloon animals or learning another language or playing an instrument or in my case it was technology I Certainly wasn't planning ever on having a career related to technology, but I really liked tech. I would learn how to code and take classes when I could and read blogs about it and try out things and, you know, wanted to be on that side of folks who, who always knew what was coming out next and the upsides and downsides of it. And although that had nothing to do with psychology, I found I was able to start using it in my work, at school, and then in professional life here. Um, Just in grad school, I was able to not just uh, make—I was doing research on uh, HIV-AIDS and helping people uh, learn safe practices immediately after finding out they were HIV-positive. So this is back in the 90s, uh, a long time ago. So— Instead of just looking at, okay, well, what can this counseling look like, we made a computer program to help with it, to help guide the counseling. And that's probably something that if I hadn't really been engaging in coding skills and technology, maybe it wouldn't have been so easy. And so, not that it was super easy, but anyway, I I found that being interested in technology is something that I can really invest in in my day-to-day life, too, Before we started recording, you were talking about doing comedy podcasts, and I mentioned I I do a lot of comedy podcasts on the side. And uh, you know, I started doing that six, seven years ago, and so I learned, I made lots of mistakes and learned the ups and downs of making podcasts before I ever tried introducing them to the Defense Health Agency. So being able to invest in that hobby and have a great time with it, even though that clearly was not something that made me money, just cost us a lot of money. Uh, then became something I was able to try out in my professional job and say, hey, here's something that in the grand scheme of things wouldn't cost the government very much. Let's see if this helps our service members. And so I... I constantly am just really grateful that I I have the time uh, in my personal life to keep trying out weird things. And not every hobby I've got can relate to my job, but certainly once or twice in a while it does. And so that's definitely my advice to, to anyone who Finds they have a lot of outside interests. Go ahead and go for it because you never know. And if you really can take your hobbies and make them apply to your day job, then you're just going to love your day job that much more.
0: Totally, I love that. Invest in your hobbies. See what you good you can do with them, perhaps or not, or just use them as stress management. Just finding joy, um, laughter. You mentioned kind of like that playfulness um, and how how good that can be. I was just talking with a friend about like how play with for adults is so beneficial for like their creativity and stress management and yeah. time to just not focus so much on work and deadlines, but just giving your body a little break to just explore.
1: Absolutely. It's such a good perspective.
0: So now working in this space for over 15 years, what are some of the biggest takeaways um that you know, you find from doing work like this, how has it impacted your life in general? And, you know, like compared to maybe what you, what you thought you would be doing, I guess.
1: Well, it's really humbling to work with military service members and veterans, of course. I yeah, I think it's clear that I'm, I'm, I don't know, hero worship is probably the wrong term, but you know, I, I have a lot of respect for, for the folks that we serve. So that's been amazing. Um, a lot of healthcare providers do work in team settings, but oftentimes therapists and psychologists are spending most of their time on their own, seeing patients one-on-one, and then probably having some group meetings or grand rounds. But uh, for us here in the Defense Health Agency and at DHA Connected Health, where I am, everything is is teamwork. And that's been really neat. It's, it's also been challenging because it's not something you take classes on, right? It, we are definitely uh, picking up those skills throughout life. So getting to work with folks cross-disciplinary has been amazing. Other kinds of healthcare teams, but other kinds of professions too. Getting to work with marketing and strategy, uh program and project management, public affairs, uh, people who specialize in, in disciplines I'd, I'd never heard of before I started working here. And, and of course, all of our technical experts and developers, uh, graphic designers, it's pretty amazing getting to see all the different skills that it takes to create something like a mobile app or a podcast or a website It certainly isn't something that me as a consumer that I ever recognized beforehand. Uh, And so it definitely helps me appreciate all the technology around me. Uh, Of course, we're living in a very technology-focused world. So every day it seems like there's more and more that we can't live without. And nowadays I feel like I I really get it a little bit more. Um, But I also now know enough to know what I do. Don't know if that makes sense. Like now I, I recognize, oh my gosh, this little app that seemed so simple truly probably had 30 to 100 people working behind it to, to maintain it and keep making this incredible thing. Uh, and so that's a very interesting glimpse into the world of technology.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And it's cool to hear that you had always been passionate about it and it was something that you could turn and, and link with like psychology and work to improve health in a very forward-thinking way um yeah that's just really cool as I, I, I sometimes don't think of like the the technology like podcasts and websites and health kind of going hand in hand I think of technology and health as more like machines or like screenings that they right. have. hey it, it, it's been such a pleasure to hear this and you know coming from someone in my shoes hearing this podcast I know there's so much more um in terms of just getting this conversation started, um, I love that we touched on the military family and kids and how that could impact and does impact everybody really involved, and that the decisions of the active military, you know, and and veterans were really so selfless. Um, and I love that you said, you know, putting our country forward—that's the mission—and how can they be of service? And then just really understanding how tricky and how challenging it could be to go from that, that really grand mission to civilian life. Um, And and that transition, I mean, could you speak a little bit to what that looks like for some of the people that you, you work with um, and, and what challenges are faced in that transition?
1: Yeah, it's a difficult transition, not just for the service members, but again, for their families too. It, it's, Imagine a job where you're wearing a uniform all day long and everyone around you is wearing the same uniform and you're all there for the same reasons and you've been through so much together and then leaving all that behind. It's tough. Uh, A lot of folks are, are thrilled to be moving into new positions and new jobs, but for many, even those who are excited about it, it's still really difficult. It's leaving behind a different kind of family. And a different kind of identity. When you're in uniform, you carry that identity right on your chest. And then going into the civilian world where you have a desk job and and people can't just look at you and know who you are, what you are, what your rank is right away, what your name is right away. It's very, very different. A lot of folks, when they leave the military, they get a pay cut. You know, it's hard to find jobs right away uh, that, that pay the same amount. Or that that recognize the expertise. I mean, someone could be a medic in the military, saving lives in war zones, or uh, here, Conus, uh, in the continental United States, and then leaving the military and not being considered a healthcare provider anymore. That that's very difficult. Um, and another part of it that makes it especially hard is civilian distrust uh, and misunderstanding. You know, it's a lot of television shows feature the disabled vet as an antagonist or someone who's got a lot of problems or as a likely villain, and that's really difficult, too. Uh, Civilians, definitely, we, unfortunately, we sometimes put our foot in our mouths and say a lot of inappropriate things, have inappropriate questions for our friends who are veterans and our coworkers. And that's just another thing that, that makes people feel different. So I don't want to paint that as a universal experience. I know every individual is going to have their own stories and their own experience as they transition out of military service. But in general, the research holds that it it's difficult. It's also difficult for the families because along with leaving the military can be another move and that pay cut affects everybody. Also, the spouses oftentimes have difficulty finding new work as well. After so many moves, uh, a military spouse has a resume that oftentimes has a lot of holes in it, right? You might be moving every three years, and so that if you schedule in another six months of job searching, it means you're going to have quite a few holes and not be able to build it up as much as others. So that translates to less economic growth than other families might have who are able to stay in one place for 20 years versus families who've given 20 years or, or less or more of a spouse's career to military
0: service. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I feel like I jumped around. I wanted to touch on that before going into your background, but I'm glad you said that because like you mentioned, it's not something that I think I've even really thought about as a civilian, not having that access to family members or or loved ones, having gone through that or seeing it firsthand. But I have met in, in my adult life, a lot of children that had moved around a lot where you ask the question, Hey, where are you from? And they go, Oh, you know, it's complicated. I've moved all around. I don't know where home is because, you know, it was everywhere. Um, And have had some interesting conversations with people about that. Just saying, you know, really does build this resiliency in starting over and being able to make friends and, and, and be flexible, but it comes at a cost. And like, I never thought about the job thing, you know, can't build a career. And then would it be hard to get one if they think you might move in a year and a half or three years and be worried that they're going to lose you. And and that's just certainly something that I think we need to be more sensitive to as a community.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, if we can be supporting our spouses and helping them be happy, then that means our service members are more likely to stay in the service longer, which helps benefit our nation as well.
0: Oh man, Julie, I'm really inspired. This has been such an incredible (laughs) conversation. You shared so many invaluable tools. Like, I feel like this podcast interview has just been like, here's where you can find all this amazing information with such passionate people dedicated to improving the lives of everyone, not just military community, but specifically starting there. And I'm really just very grateful that you know, we talked, touched on this. It was very informative for me. And I know a lot of my listeners will feel this exact same way. And hopefully it resonates with people too, who have these similar experiences of their life. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really grateful to be able to help spread the word about these great resources. Yeah, it's great technology here for the win connecting each other. Yay spreading the good the goodness to everyone hopefully yeah that's really special that definitely resonates throughout so um i will link all of these the podcasts that you mentioned the virtual hope box app i'm really excited to check that out um and i will be looking forward to further you know more podcasts that you're putting out it sounds like you're and you and your team are very busy working on this and definitely going to work to spread the word to everybody I know in my community. So just thank you so much for your time today.
1: Well, have a great day. Thank you.